is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Sergio Mendes with Mass K. Nather, a lovely way to start the programme this morning. Hello, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss, and thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers, a place where you can hear, I hope you know by now, the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And I'm very lucky because I bring alongside them right here for you, someone who's shaping the world of business, and we call them business shapers. Slightly different today because my business shaper is is a good person. Not that all business shapers aren't, but he's super good. Uh, His name is Josh Littlejohn, and he is a social entrepreneur. He is running a social enterprise business called Social Bite. I'm going to say the word social just a few more times for everyone. Social Bite have restaurants, they have cafes, they have all sorts of things going on, which basically for those people who want to give to the homeless and do wonderful things, they can. And I'll explain why George Clooney and others have popped up to Edinburgh to see him doing his fine things up there. You'll be hearing lots of phenomenal things from Josh very shortly. In addition to hearing from Josh, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And as well as all of that, we got some brilliant music today. Hugh Masakela is coming up, Astra Gilberta, and this from Richard Bona. That was another Latino-sounding number there, Cubaneando, from Richard Bona, though he is actually from Cameroon, I'm reliably informed. Uh, This is Jazz Shapers, and as I said earlier, my business shaper today is Josh Littlejohn. He's the co-founder of Social Bite. He's also, um, and you're going to be hearing about this, uh, the co-founder of Brew Gooder. He's also the founder of the Scottish Business Awards, and I'm sure he's got lots of free time. He'll be founding something else by the time we finish today. Josh, thank you very much for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're incredibly young, and I I, I, I say that only because you seem to have achieved um, what many people never achieve in their lifetimes, which is you focused on doing something that has majorly good impacts. Tell me a little bit about why, I believe, um, you read a book, Muhammad Yunus, and you were inspired to do things differently. Tell me what happened, this movement from the the business world into, well, it's still the business world, but it's doing something else. Yeah, um, so I I suppose like growing up as a teenager, like I was always kind of quite idealistic and I always, like my ambition was never to set up in business. My ambition was always to try and change the world in some way. Um, so I went to university and studied politics and economics with a view to leaving and trying to make some kind of difference in my career. Um, so I left and originally applied for a job with the government um, and it was a great big long graduate scheme process. Uh, it lasted about six months and you had to do psychometric tests and you had to come to London and do sort of assessment centres. Um, and I passed the second last stage of that which was like a, a day-long assessment centre where they tested your knowledge of economics and they recommended a really really thick textbook which I read back to the front and I kind of passed that technical stage. Then the final stage was um, 
another assessment centre in London where they kind of tested more your personality traits, sort of your kind of communication and teamwork and leadership. And after that long process, I just got a single sentence email saying, sorry, you were unsuccessful, didn't get the job. So I was a bit kind of deflated about that. And I thought, you know, I don't want to do that again and jump through someone else's hoops. So I decided at that stage to set up my own business. And at that time, the only real definition of business I knew was one to try and, you know, make a financial return. So I came up with some ideas and um, they revolved around events, so it's a, a little events company. Um, so I was a couple of years into this, organising various events, and as I say, I read this book by a guy called Professor Muhammad Yunus. Um, so this guy's a Nobel Peace Prize winner. He won uh, the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006, based in Bangladesh. And um, in this book, he described an idea that he called a social business, um, where he talked about how in Bangladesh he set up over 50 different companies and some of them went on to become billion dollar businesses but he never owned a single share in one of them um, so every business he ever created was never for the traditional purpose of maximising a return for himself, for investors it was always because he kept seeing social challenges in Bangladesh and his solution was never to set up a charity or ask for donations it was always to set up a business to tackle that particular issue um, so this kind of like merged a younger idealism with this newfound passion for like entrepreneurship and you know business and it sort of married the two so I thought that's a really interesting idea so long story short me and my ex-girlfriend Alice went and visited Professor Yunus in Bangladesh in 2011 and we spent a week and we toured around his different social businesses um, and we were, came back really inspired by that and decided to try and set up our own little social business and at the time I used to go into I had a little office in the centre of Edinburgh and I used to go into Pret-a-Manger for a sandwich and uh, Starbucks for a coffee and we thought maybe if we could set up something in this market it might work and I kind of started up Social Bite in yeah, 2012. And we're going to find out a lot more about Social Bite. but the usual story there of a young man who decides to you know read a book and then go and visit the man who wrote the book and set up a social business. I mean, totally normal <laughs> behaviour, Josh. Unbelievably not. Um, you're going to be hearing lots about what Social Bite is and, and this extraordinary um, guest of mine today. Time for some more music now, um, though, before that. Uh, this is Grazing in the Grass from Mr Hugh Massa-Kayla. Massacaler with the upbeat grazing in the grass. Josh Littlejohn is my business shaper today, and if you're listening earlier, you'd have heard of the uh, very usual story there of um, young man reading and then visiting author and then deciding to set up a business as you do. Tell me about um, Social Bite specifically. Just give me a, a few sentences so that if people haven't heard of it, they understand what it is. Uh, so Social Bite is now a small chain of uh, sandwiching coffee shops uh, throughout Scotland in three different cities in Scotland. Um, and we've also got canteens and we opened up a, a high-end restaurant in Edinburgh. Um, so it tries to compete with really good food and good service and everything you'd expect, but ultimately the whole thing exists for a social mission. Um, so that kind of takes three forms. One is all the profits we make uh, go back into good causes um, and the other two things are more within the business. So the second one is customers can pay something forward um, for homeless people to come and eat later. So maybe buy an extra sandwich or buy a meal in the restaurant and homeless people are invited in um, to, to be treated as customers. And then the third aspect is that roughly a quarter of our workforce are people that have previously struggled with homelessness themselves. The the, the, the the buy forward thing or whatever, the pay forward thing, was that, I mean, that's, I think, one of the most brilliant ideas I've ever heard. I don't know if it was your idea or if it was, it's a, you found it from somewhere else. 
the innovation i mean one thing is looking after people who are vulnerable i get that and what i want to come on to the root causes of homelessness and how you can help resolve those but that kind of innovation around that idea where did that come from and where did the other innovative ideas come from um well the, the whole thing like started much more one-dimensionally the original concept was just to open up a sandwich shop hopefully make a profit sell some nice food and then we chose three charities to give the profit to but ultimately we were looking at the world through lenses of just trying to make a as much of a social impact as we could um, so when we very first opened up our, our first little sandwich shop in Edinburgh um, we'd been open about a week or two and we met this young guy who used to sell the big issue um, just outside the shop a young guy called Pete and he used to come in and we were chatting to him and we would give him a free sandwich and after a couple of weeks he kind of plucked up the courage himself and asked if he could have a job um, so we sort of thought well the whole point of us being here is to try and do something good so um, we'd give him a job in the kitchen um, and it was really amazing how much he relished that like he just relished the idea of having responsibilities and getting a regular paycheck and making all these friends and colleagues um, so when another position opened up we thought let's try that again and um, we asked him if he knew anyone else that was homeless that would want a job and he suggested his brother Joe who was in the same situation and then when that worked out we asked them if they knew anyone else and they suggested another big issue seller called John and then they suggested Colin and it kind of worked its way up through peer-to-peer -peer referral and then it came across this idea of the pay it forward. I think it originated in Naples in Italy. It was called Cafe Suspeso, like suspended coffee, um, where people could pay a head of coffee for the homeless or, or the, the hungry or the in need. Um, so, yeah, we again, like because we were looking at the world through just trying to maximise the social impact, that became a logical thing to do. Um, so we, we, I think we simply just wrote a handwritten sign in the window that said something crass like, attention homeless people. You know, we run a pay-it-forward service so you can come and collect something that our customers pay forward. Um, and before we knew it, customers started engaging with that and donating and we started feeding perhaps 30, 40 homeless people a day. And then as we ex expanded the business, um, we just sort of ingrained those principles into it. So now, you know, the, all the units have a, have a pay-it-forward service and, as I say, um, a quarter of the workforce of people you would have probably typically seen selling the big issue or sometimes begging in the city centres. Stay with me for more of these fascinating stories that's unfolding and I can hear that you kind of iterated as you've gone. It wasn't just one big splash at the beginning and that's what I think is um, really fascinating about what you've built. Lots more coming up from Josh, but first we've got some travel in a couple of minutes and before that some words of advice for your business from our programme partners at Mishkon Durea. My name's Sharon Tan. I'm a partner in the employment team at Mishcon Durea. And at Mishcon, we advise all sorts of clients. Um, one minute we will be advising a global corporation, the next it will be a senior executive, and the next it will be an entrepreneur who's just starting out in business for the very first time with the latest new idea. But one thing that's common to all of those businesses, big and small, is social media. We live in a digital age. And obviously that brings some very significant benefits and advantages from a business perspective, but it also brings with it significant risks, particularly when you introduce the unpredictable factor into the equation, which is of course human nature and sometimes human error. So employees of all levels these days have a presence on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, to name but a few. And um, whenever they post on social media, they're obviously representing themselves personally. But in certain situations, they're also representing the employer, whether they mean to or not. And in those circumstances, there is the potential for significant damage to be caused to the business, irrespective of the size of the business, if the employee happens to say something that causes reputational damage. 
And so really a good piece of advice for all businesses, irrespective of size, is to make sure that the employment contracts are properly drafted, that the social media policy is in place, and that all of those things have been clearly communicated to the employees so that everybody knows in advance where the line's drawn and what the sanctions are if somebody happens to cross the line. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I'm very lucky because I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any of the brilliant people I've spoken to over the last five years, then go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, you can find them there. If you're on a British Airways flight, you can also find a few of our best. And cityam.com is another destination for you. Josh Littlejohn is my business shaper today. He's the co-founder of Social Bite, and they are doing amazing things for the homeless, not just by giving money, but by giving people opportunity and giving people responsibility, and by asking us, the punters, the people out there, to actually do some interesting things, the the pay-forward notion, which you may have heard about earlier being just one of them. Josh, in those early days, I mean, you were, as you said, I think you said a politics and economics graduate. What would you have known about setting up a business apart from the fact you knew you wanted to do that? It's all, I get the impact thing, but in real terms, you must have had lots of really good advice, or are you just a genius who knew exactly what to do from day one? Um, well, You can uh, lie, by the way, and you can say, yes, I am a genius. How did you know, Elliot? I <laughs> know, um, I think, like... I find the sort of the entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial process very addictive, I think. And like it started off, again, I had no real intention of doing it. I just decided to set up this little events company. And the first event I ever created was a fashion show that I put on during the Edinburgh Festival called the Festival Fashion Show. And that was largely an excuse to try and hang out with good looking girls and get a girlfriend. Um, I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> I could just, could just tell you a smile. Um, you know, so that, and then, but like that's kind of happened. I've put on this fashion show and like, I recruited 10 models and if I saw a really attractive girl on the street I'd sort of interrupt her and say sorry to interrupt you my name's Josh I'm the organiser of the festival fashion show have you ever considered modelling and that was kind of my chat line for a while um, but the whole thing like happened and it like so it was cool to see that process like of something that was just in my head become real and that was kind of a thrill and as I say quite addictive so then I st- rented a little office and I started organising other other events um, were you doing this when you were a kid? I mean, have you always been kind of get up and go and do stuff? By the way, I should mention here his dad's in in the in the, in in the place of me in the room at Jazz <laughs> FM here. And we're going to bring him in a little later, so he's nodding and saying yes, he probably was. But what I mean, this doesn't just start at a certain age. Surely this is within you. This kind of get up and go thing. No, to be honest, like I see at university, like I was at uni for five years, and I was kind of like felt lethargic. You know, I just kind of I did enough to get a decent grade and pass the exams, but I had no get up and go. You know, you drink a lot and you spend you sleep in, and it was only when I started organising these first few events that I kind of just you know a light went on, and you know suddenly you wanted to get out of bed and and make things happen. Um, why have all these people, like, I mean, I'm going to talk about George Clooney and um, I think the Duchess of Cornwall and a whole host of celebrities and good, well-meaning celebrities as well, as many as many people are. Why are they so intrigued by what you're doing, do you think? Um, well, you know, I don't, I'm not sure they're intrigued. We, we, uh, so one of the things that I set up when in the early days of this events business, I came up with an event, I called it the Scottish Business Awards. Um, and so that's five years in now and every year we have over 2,000 people now come and gather and have dinner at this award ceremony um, which makes it by far the biggest business dinner 
in the UK and it's become the biggest sit-down dinner gathering in the history of Scotland ever. Um, so a lot of people ask me now like how I got involved in the Scottish Business Awards and if I'm really honest I have to kind of say well I created an event and I called it the Scottish Business Awards and I think because it was called that everyone sort of assumed it was really prestigious and it had been around for many years um, and we just didn't correct them. In reality it was just me sort of sending out letters to lots of businesses saying you've been nominated for the Scottish Business Awards initially and it's kind of grown. So every year we invite like big speakers over to come and uh, be the keynote at that and typically like that event generates a fair bit of money through table sales and sponsorships so we're able to pledge um, a donation to their particular cause so over the last five years the first year we had Bob Geldof come and then after that we speculatively approached uh, the Bill Clinton's office the Clinton Foundation and we got Bill Clinton to come um, and then we had Richard Branson and George Clooney just last week it was it was Leonardo DiCaprio so typically the model for that as I say is each of these people have their own foundations that they're passionate about various causes and we were able to make a large donation to that through our event and then just recently with George Clooney and Leonardo DiCaprio we've said listen as you're coming to Scotland this is the work we're doing in social enterprise with the homeless um, would you come and visit you know one of our cafes or, or Leo DiCaprio came into our restaurant whilst you're here um, so those two have said yes and that's that's brought amazing profile to us and, and gave us a real platform to sort of expand our work Wow um, that's pretty impressive isn't it I mean the names are very small there Bill Clinton uh, Bob Geldof I think you should really aim, aim a little bit <laughs> higher there Josh um, lots more coming up from Josh Little Don my brilliant business shaper today time for some more music right now then this is continuing the Latin theme Dom has got Latin on the, the mind brain today this is Astrid Gilberto with Take Me to Aruanda <laughs> That was Astrid Gilberto with Take Me to Aruanda. I'm talking to Josh Littlejohn today, and um, he's the founder of Scottish Business Awards. As you heard, he made it up himself, and here it is being now one of the most prestigious um, business awards, probably well, not just in Scotland, but but probably in, in Great Britain. Uh, he's the founder of Brew Gooder. We're going to come on to that in a minute, and he's the founder of Social Bite. Can I ask you a question, a bit of a technical question, just so I understand it? Many good people want to help the homeless, and I personally have tried to do stuff and failed miserably, just whether it's someone outside of a restaurant or whatever um, because the causes of homelessness are multivarious and complicated now that you're in it are you have you got the magic answer or is it is it perseverance and sort of uh, uh, talking to professionals about how you can really help someone not be homeless because it isn't superficial at all is it that issue no uh, I think like it comes down to like you just trying to find the like a strong level of compassion um, for these people and that comes from understanding their backgrounds and and kind of why they're there. I think there's a bad misconception in the UK and and perhaps further afield that people have ended up homeless as a result of making bad decisions. People kind of assume that they've become alcoholics or drug addicts and hence ended up homeless. One of the things I've learned over the last five years, you know, become increasingly engaged with the homeless issue is that almost everyone I ever meet it's like staggering and kind of um, scary that almost everyone I come across from a homeless background typically grew up through the care system, um, so what, what I always find is that almost 
the, through the cards they were dealt when they were born and they came into the world, it was kind of almost their predetermined destiny to end up in that situation. And most homeless people I meet had really harrowing childhoods, really terrible cards dealt with it, to them, um, typically got taken into the care system at a young age, um, bounced around different foster homes and children's homes, uh, and in many instances became homeless in their sort of late teens. Um, and as I say, it's striking how similar you know has similar threads like that run through most of these guys stories so i think when you understand people's lives in that context then it does give you a, a, a large degree of compassion and patience in trying to rehabilitate them back into society and back into employment and that compassion um, uh, uh, and understanding, has that translated into um, different relationships that you now form? Do you look at people and kind of size them up? And I don't mean that in a in a weird way, but just in a, I kind of know where they're coming from, I want to know. Because m- most misunderstandings are, are predicated on people not really being compassionate at all. Has that helped you in, in your overall... Of course. Like, so it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So we employ about 100 people now. Um, and uh, as I say, a quarter of those are people um, that are from homeless backgrounds. And that has a lot of challenges. And quite often, you know, in that process of rehabilitating them into employment, they'll screw up. Maybe they'll, you know, won't show up or they'll be late or whatever the particular issue is. We have a lot of issues in that process. Um, but once you understand the if the context of someone's life, if they've had a really harrowing childhood and they've became homeless at 16 and, and you understand that, then suddenly you don't view it of, you know, my God, you're late, what are you doing? You view it of, good God, you're still standing. You're still turning up to work every day trying to break that cycle. Um, so it just gives you a different way of, of looking at it when you understand the context of, of people's lives. We'll be having our final chat with Josh, um, plus we're playing a track from Louis Prima. That's after the latest traffic and travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hell. Baby, baby, it looks like it's gonna hell. Inside, let me teach you how to dive and wheel. Oh, you gotta jump and jive and then you really gotta jump and jive and then you really gotta jump. That was Louis Prima with the brilliant jump, jive and whale. Josh Littlejohn has been my business shaper for quite a while now, so it's time to bring in, I think, a bit of family. I mentioned that Josh's father was uh, in the house. He is. Simon, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Very good. Now, I, I, I mentioned earlier when, when we were off mic, as it were, and I said, it, is it weird looking at this young man and he's your son? And you must be unbelievably proud. Yeah, I think you're always proud of your children, whatever they end up doing. Uh, and yeah, obviously, I'm proud of Josh. Uh, he's always been a challenge. As in, not as a as a as a child, a challenging child, but a challenge with his views. I mean, I remember we went on a skin holiday with his brother Jack, and they were about twelve or thirteen at the time, and uh, just the three of us in a hotel, and we were talking about money and and what we do. And I've been in business a few years, so they were saying, "Well, Dad, why don't you sell it and give your money away and do all these things?" And that was a, kind of a young age of two of them. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm I'm proud of what, what what he's done. He's chosen a path, and he's got great vision, and he's got he's dying of embarrassment. By the way, over here, he's thinking, "Couldn't we please stop talking about me?" But it is about you, Josh, for a moment. But but what, what does it beyond beyond the pride? I mean, in terms of the impact, you as you said, you've been in business a long time. Does it surprise you he's gone this route? Well, it is because I never had him down uh, as self-employed. 
when, I, when he was younger, you know, you always imagine what your kids might do in the future. And I never thought Josh would be the kind of guy who'd be self-employed. Uh, but when he did his own thing, one thing he's changed, and he said it before when I was listening to him, that he works incredibly hard, which which you have to do if you do your own thing. Uh, and he, he is so stubborn, it's unbelievable. So I think if he gets an idea, he just follows it through till it happens. However many people might say it's not going to work. He keeps going. He keeps going. Josh, let me ask you. So this perseverance and, and tenacity that your your dad's alluded to, um, where's it going to take you? You, you? You've got expansion plans. I, I, I read recently that you're going to um, open Scotland's first homeless village. I know that you've got plans for London. Just tell me a little bit about how you're going to shape things going forward. Yeah, I mean, like, I've never, like, tried to think of things in too big a picture. Like, I always just try and take one step after the other and see where the, the path goes. Um so, like, the, the next big thing for us is, you know, we were kind of thinking about ourselves as a social enterprise and our engagement with the homeless, and we were thinking about how we could look to try a solution that really tackles the issue of homelessness full circle. So at the moment we offer jobs and free food and some support. Um, but if you're thinking about, like, a 360-degree solution, at some point you get back to the issue of a home or a roof over someone's head. Um, so we started looking at housing um, and how we could get involved in that issue. Um, so we've basically just announced plans uh, to build a small village in Edinburgh, which sounds kind of mad, but... Um, it's because it is mad. <laughs> it's good mad, though, isn't it? I mean, you're just saying, I want to do that, and you're going and doing yeah, it. Yeah, um, so we went to the Edinburgh Council and asked them for some land, so that just recently they signed off on about two acres' worth of land in an area called Granton in Edinburgh, uh, which is a nice little spot just on, on the seafront, really. Um, and then we tr- tried to find like an innovative, low-cost, nice housing model, so... We met this guy just based on the outskirts of Edinburgh who's built this prototype called Tiny House Scotland, which is a small but really beautiful little house. It's got a wood-burning fire. It's got a nice kitchen. It's got, like, a dining table, a little sofa, and a a loft double bedroom. Um, So we believe you can create a two-bedroom version of this house for about £30,000. So we have plans to build 10 houses for for 20 homeless people, um, which will be coupled with a vegetable garden, a chicken coop, and a uh, furniture workshop. And the idea is that they would live in this supported village environment uh, for 12 to 15 months, during which time we'd link them in with employment opportunities and work placements and lots of support. And after that time, uh, support them into some permanent accommodation and hopefully break the cycle of homelessness for those individuals. Um, So that's the next plan, um, which I'm really, really excited about. And, and the Brugada, just briefly, because I've got one more question, then we're going to have to going to have to wrap up. But the, sure. on the Brugada thing, just tell me, you're, you've got some plans. It's a business which basically makes nice tasting lager by the sounds of it, and then all the money that you make goes into water projects around the world. Is that right? Yeah. So that was my friend Alan's idea, really. <coughs> um, so I'm just working with him on that. So we've partnered with Brewdog. Um, who are some Scottish-based, massive, obviously, craft beer company now. So they brew the beer for us. Uh, but it's a new company called Brugader, and yeah, all the profits go to dig wells, basically. So the, the idea is the customer can have a nice beer but feel good that they're helping somebody else have clean water. Um, so that's a, in the early days. But we just got stopped by Asda, so it's, it's off to a decent start. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, Josh. I know it's, it's brief, um, but um, congratulations. The world needs more people like you. He wants to say another thing. Yes, go on. I just want thing. to plug uh, our fundraising thing we're doing. So uh, we're opening up the shops on uh, Christmas Day um, to do a big Christmas dinner for the homeless. Um, so we're asking people to donate £5 to buy a homeless person Christmas dinner on a website called itison.com 
Um, and you can also support our, our village project on that. So just keen to give that a shameless plug. Yeah, it isn't shame. It's a good, it's a good plug. It is on .com. Um, well, thank you, Josh, for spending some time with me and to Simon as well for popping in. It was, very, it was good timing. Yeah, we, we planned that earlier, obviously, about half an hour ago. Um, just before I let you go, though, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, so my song choice is uh, Dave Brubeck, uh, Take 5. And uh, that was, I believe, my granddad's favourite song. And I think he used to pay, play clarinet with Dave Brubeck before he was famous. Um, so that's it. Well, here it is just for you. Thank you very much. That was Dave Brubeck with Take 5, the song choice of my business shaper today, Josh Littlejohn, an incredibly inspiring young person with real go-get mentality. He has gone and done things that many of us would be proud to have done in our lifetimes, let alone in the 10 years or so that he's been working in business. He has total focus, total conviction, and as his dad said of him, has got stubbornness right to the core, which makes for someone who's really going to change things. Fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meanwhile, stay with us. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.